We are today, as, as we like to say in the preaching game, we are spurring the horse to the barn on this series that we've been in for the whole summer, the God of power. We've been looking at the omnipotence, the, the reality of God being the seat and the beginning, the alpha and the omega of all power in the world. And what that looks like for followers of Christ like us to walk in and walk out that power in and through our lives. Now, we've looked at a lot of different facets of this as we've taken the songs of ascent, Psalm 120 through Psalm 134, and we've looked at different facets of what it looks like to live in a relationship with God through these psalms, these hymns of worship that touch on different aspects of the power of God. And we're going to wrap this series up today with something that has been just kind of bubbling right below the surface the whole time that we've been in this series. It hasn't been addressed explicitly until Psalm 133 and the very final one, Psalm 134. We're going to take that up today. But it's, it's this idea that for all of the things that we've looked at over the last few weeks and months, there is an underlying current of community attached to everything. Israel did not sing these songs in isolation. They, they sang these songs of ascent as they made the journey up to Jerusalem for these religious festivals. They sang them together. They sang them in unison. They, in just singing them, they were making the statement that there is power in numbers. There's power in numbers. I had a conversation this past week with a really good friend of mine that I hadn't talked to or caught up with for about a year and a half. And uh, he brought his boys to hear Darren Woodson last weekend. We connected out in the lobby. said, man, let's catch up. It's been too long. So this week we got on a phone call and we kind of exchanged pleasantries. How are you doing? How's it going? What's going on? How's the family? Blah, blah, blah. And then we kind of got down to business. And he, he, he really started explaining. He's been through a massive career change in the last year and a half. He was asking how things were going here at the church. And, and, and I know, and I remembered that this guy had a lot of kids. I, I didn't remember how many kids. I knew it was three or more. I, I didn't remember. But when we were talking, he reminded me they have five children between the ages of 6 and 13. I, everybody, can we just pray for my friend, Father, right now? Can you, I mean, you talk about being in the vortex? Good night. And, and then he asked me this question. He goes, he goes, Mac, can I, can, let, me, let me just ask you something. And I could kind of hear this wistful tone in his voice. And he goes, what's the empty nest like? <laughs> and I'm telling you, he asked it just like that, kind of like almost a sigh in his voice. I said, you know what, Darren? I'm, I, I can't even tell you. If I told you how great it is, you'd send all of your kids to boarding school. I'm, I'm not even going to do that to you. But then he said, you know, he goes, Mac, we're just, we're in that, that, that taxi cab vortex. All we do is drive and drop off, drive and pick up, drive and drop off, drive and pick up. My wife and I had to have a meeting, he said. We had to have a meeting the other day to decide who was going to drive which car to pick up the most children that afternoon. He goes, it is nonstop. 
But then he said something so profound. He said, I will say this, though. The good news is my wife and I are on the same page. Otherwise, we couldn't do it. We're on the same page. Otherwise, we couldn't do it. The power of God pours out through his people focused on his purposes. The power of God pours out through his people focused on his purposes. This has always been the way of God. This has always been how he moves the most. Now, to be sure, a relationship with God is personal. The reality is God meets each and every one of us exactly where we are personally. But personal does not mean private. It always manifests. It always works itself out in the context of community. Psalm 133. Look at what the Bible says here. The Bible says, behold. That means, that means take note. Take, take hold of this reality, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, Mount Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. How good, how pleasant it is when, when brothers and sisters dwell. To, to dwell means that we, we live in, we occupy, we inhabit, we are at home in unity with each other. How good is it? I want you to think about something. What is something in your life that you enjoy? Maybe Maybe it's an activity, maybe it's a hobby, maybe it's a place, maybe, maybe it's, it's a meal somewhere. Think about something that you enjoy, okay? I want you to get this in the frontal lobe of your brain right now. Now, obviously, we're all going to have something different in our frontal lobes, but I promise you this, whatever you're thinking about, it's better with somebody you love. It's always better. It's always enriched. It's always deeper with somebody you love. When, when Julie and I took our little vacation a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, there were a couple of days where I went fishing without her. I love to fish. When I'm on the water, God speaks to me. God heals me. God refreshes me. It is great. But when I'm off the water, I can't wait to tell Julie about it. I can't wait to come back and tell her lie after lie about fish that I caught. <laughs> the mistakes the guide made that helped me not catch the fish. And there, there was one time, this happened years and years ago. We were on vacation, and I, the biggest fish I've ever caught in my life got off after three seconds. I, I blew it. It was my fault. I'm not making this up. I caught this fish. It was a tarpon. I caught this fish. This, this heifer came up out of the water. She was enormous. And we know this because tarpon, big tarpon are females. That's just the way it is. Don't send me an email. So <laughs> this, this tarpon comes up out of the water, 
and she's enormous. I turned around and looked at the guide on the back of the boat. His eyes were this big. She jumped out of the water. I, I couldn't believe it. So when a tarpon jumps, you, you put the rod down in the water to give it slack so that the, it doesn't come off. She jumps. She swims this way. I'm following. I'm trying to get back on the reel. She jumps again. I bow. And while I'm bowing right here, literally within two seconds, I hear her jump behind me. I'm facing this way. She's that way. And on that jump, she was gone. She came unbuttoned, came off. I still see that fish when I go to bed every night. But when I got home that afternoon from fishing, the family was ready to go eat lunch, to go eat dinner. And we went to this pizza place that we love to go. And we sat there. I consumed an entire pizza by myself telling them the story that I just gave you the bullet point version of. They still make fun of me for that. Like, do you remember dad when he was so jacked up on adrenaline and he told us that story and he ate the whole pizza by himself and we had to order another one because there wasn't enough for the rest of the family? Whatever you enjoy, whatever you like, whatever feeds your soul, it's better with people. It's better with people you trust. It's better with people you love. Now, what is, what is the songwriter here in Psalm 133 saying? It's like the oil that comes down on the head of Aaron that flows through his beard and down onto his robes. Now, here's what you got to remember, or you got to know. Aaron was Moses' brother. He was the first high priest in the nation of Israel. God appointed Aaron, and whenever a priest was called into the ministry from the tribe of Levi, when they were appointed, they were anointed with oil. And the oil signified the calling of God in their lives. That oil throughout Scripture represents the presence of God, the power of God, and so when a priest was appointed or called to the priesthood, they would be anointed, just like King David was anointed to be the king over Israel. So that oil would come down over Aaron, over the priest's head, run through his beard and down onto his sacred robes, and the people would know this was someone appointed by God, anointed by God to lead, to intercede for the people on their behalf. We understand this, whether you realize it or not. You know, when Jesus is referred to as the Messiah, the word Messiah means the anointed one. Now, Jesus was anointed as both priest and king, our great high priest, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So when it says that brothers dwelling together in unity is like that, it's, it's the presence and the power of God binding the community of faith Together, the, the dews of Hermon. Mount Hermon is the highest mountain in that part of the world. It's covered in snow year-round. The, the people of Israel would have known exactly what God was talking about. And it's the, the dews of Hermon, the precipitation from Mount Hermon that comes down from the mountain that eventually turns into the Jordan River that creates this amazing fertile valley in the middle of a desert and that's what God says community is really like. When brothers and sisters dwell together in unity, when they are come together, some translations say when we dwell in harmony. I like harmony. 
And I'll tell you why. Musically speaking, when, when a choir or a group are singing in harmony, that means by definition they're singing different notes. But those notes merge and mesh and marry to become the melody. And the melody is what you are left with. But it starts from different places. Look around the room. I want you to look around the room right now. Just, just take a look at the people who are sitting in here. Now, does God have a sense of humor or what? Different backgrounds, different families of origin, different hairstyles, different lack of hair, different everything, and yet God merges and meshes us together in harmony to carry the melody of his purposes. The power of God pours out through his people united in his purposes. This is what he does. This is who he is. When I was in college here at the University of Texas, I was in a fraternity. And when I was a freshman, there was a guy in our fraternity named Tommy. He's two years older than me. Tommy was an officer in the fraternity. Very, very funny guy. Really, really funny. Very influential in the fraternity. He was dating a girl named Nicole who was a sweetheart of our fraternity. And I knew Tommy. I didn't really know Nicole at all. And they were a couple years older than I was. I was a freshman. They, you know, graduated on time. I got a more well-rounded education and was there a little bit longer. And we, when they graduated, we parted ways. And that was pretty much that until, fast forward, 10 or 12 years, Julie and I moved back to Austin and we're part of the group that plants Lake Hills Church. We're pastoring and we're here in Austin and one day, I'm standing at the door shaking hands after a sermon in 2006, and I turn around, and who's walking through the door but Tommy and Nicole Cagle. I go, Tommy, what are you doing? He goes, Mac, what are you doing? I go, no, it's crazy, isn't it? Well, they've been a part of our church since then. Nicole's been intimately, intricately involved in the Fearless Mom ministry. They have a daughter, Sarah, and... Last Sunday, when we wrapped up the service, Mike had interviewed Darren Woodson. I came on stage, and I made the announcement we were going to celebrate burgers and baptism. We were going to baptize folks. And even if you hadn't signed up or even planned to be baptized, if you would like to be baptized today, we would love to talk with you, make sure that you are a follower of Christ. And then second of all, we've got shorts, T-shirts, everything that you need, towels. Come on, get baptized. So everybody's gathering out on the front porch, milling around. There's music playing. And I turn around. And Tommy Cagle is standing there in a swimsuit and a T-shirt. He goes, Matt, have y'all already baptized? Is it too late? I go, no. He goes, will you baptize me? I said, Tommy, I'm on vacation. I'm not doing it today. <laughs> now, just for the record, I love my job. Baptism wins. It, it messes me up every time. because of what it represents in a person's life, because of the reminder it is to us of who we are and what we do as a church. And last weekend, I got to baptize my fraternity brother, Tommy Cagle. We've got a picture of it right here.
almost 40 years ago, I called Tommy brother because we were in the same fraternity. But what happened last Sunday transcends all that. Folks, this is who we are. We are the church. We are the bride of Christ. We are the hands and feet of Jesus in a world that is dying for his life. This is what we are called to. We're not called to go to church. That, if you're just checking things out for the first time, awesome. But if you've been checking it out for a few months, get in the game. It is too important for us to sit and soak. And I'm going to tell you something. When you lead somebody, when you invite somebody to come to church, it'll mess you up in the most beautiful way imaginable. You will never, ever go to church with your arms crossed. What am I going to get out of this? That doesn't happen anymore. I remember when my father-in-law took Emily and Joseph to New Orleans for the first time. My father-in-law loves New Orleans. He loves a good meal. He loved, and he, but when he took his grandchildren and he walked into Cafe Du Monde and he explained to Joe, who was about four years old, the blessings of a beignet. <laughs> and Joe walked out of Cafe Du Monde. Emily walked out of Cafe Du Monde. Joe had powdered sugar on the back of his shirt. My father-in-law, you, you could have taken him home to heaven right there because he was seeing it through the eyes of somebody he loved. And he was sharing something with them that he knew was a treasure, was a gift. You see, we're united around this purpose as the people of God. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German pastor and theologian. He was one of the very, very few pastors who stood up and spoke out against Nazism. He, he stood up and he said, this, this kind of nationalistic pride and socialism is wrong. It is evil. And for his faithfulness and his faith, he was jailed and ultimately martyred. But before he died, he left an indelible print on the people of God. He wrote a, a seminal work called Life Together. Talks about this, this community. This is what Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote. He said, what determines our brotherhood is what that other man is by reason of Christ. Our community with one another consists solely in what Christ has done to both of us. See, Bonhoeffer was saying, it, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. There, there's nobody better than me, nobody worse than me. We're all in this together. We are all anointed priests. Second Peter tells us that we are a royal priesthood. That, that means that we personally, collectively are appointed and anointed. We're, we're called to intercede for one another. 
Because of Christ, our great high priest, we no longer need a priest or an intermediary to get to God. Hebrews tells us we can go into the throne room of God in confidence, not in ourselves. <laughs> no, 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 no. But in who Christ is and in what Christ did, we have confidence to go before God. And so we have this amazing opportunity, this amazing calling as a community. That's what the psalmist was writing about in Psalm 133. Jesus put it this way in John chapter 13. In John chapter 13, Jesus said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If you love one another. How many of y'all love a good meal? Can I see a show of hands? I do. I love me a good meal. There are some restaurants here in town that I love to frequent. Julie and I love to frequent. It's not uncommon for us to go to dinner at 4.30 in the afternoon because we are just that cool. <laughs> like if, if we're out to eat and we're getting home and it's dark, something's wrong. But you know what? I've noticed about the restaurants that we frequent. We go and we leave. We go and we leave. We go and we eat. Oh, man, wasn't that good? That was, they were a little bit off tonight on this one. I don't know about that. It was kind of, people had really recommended this, and I just, it was okay. And where restaurants are concerned, we are profoundly consumers. I don't mean just of the food. I mean of the whole experience. But when we have people over to our house, we're no longer consumers. We're contributors. We, at that point, we're, we're invested. Like, like, we want people to walk out of our house and go, man, I want to go back there when they invite us. That, that I, didn't, I, didn't know, I didn't know that Mac and Julie could cook like that. It just felt comfortable. It felt, it felt, I felt at home. I felt at ease in their house. I wonder when it comes to church, how close to a consumer versus a contributor are we? Do we say, I got the same thing out of it that I get out of it all the time? Or do we say, and I want to be a part of something. I, I want to contribute my worship. I, don't, I can't sing well, but I can sing. I, I, want to, I want to contribute. I want to be a part of something. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 is a passage of Scripture that we have referenced a lot over the years. But today, I want us to look at it with fresh eyes. I want us to go back to this passage with Psalm 133 as our backdrop. Look at Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. The Bible says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching, the day of Christ's return. So there's, there's four things going on here that, that really are our roadmap. This is, this is where we're going. This is who we are. 
And it's, it's right there in the text. Number one, choose deliberately. Choose deliberately. What does it say? Let us consider. Let us really and truly think about. Let's contemplate. Let's decide what we're going to do to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. That means that we, we're intentional about it. We don't, we're not just defaulting into this. We're thinking about it. We're considering it. Let us consider how we may spur. Number two, connect genuinely. Connect genuinely. Now, if you're brand new, if you're just kicking the tires of the whole Christian thing or of this church in particular, you don't, you don't have to like, first Sunday, dive in. I'm all in. Let's get baptized. I want to be like Tommy K. Well, just, you you. Relax. But if you want to truly be the church, you connect. You connect genuinely with, with people that you know by name, that you pray for, people who are praying for you. You, you do life together. When you have prayed for someone by name, it changes everything. It changes everything. When you know that people are praying for you by name, it changes everything. Yeah, Tommy Cagle and I were in the fraternity together. We knew the handshake. I can't tell you. We, we, we had some traditions and some songs that we learned in the same basement together. And, and, that, and that was fine as far as it went. But do you know how many times Tommy and I have prayed for each other and our families since 2006? And by the way, when you do life with somebody, you've connected like that over that long a period of time, you're going to go through some stuff. Tommy and Nicole have been through it. Julie and I have been through it. And, and, but we're, we're connected. Genuinely. It's, it's real. It's not going anywhere. Connecting genuinely. Choose deliberately. Connect genuinely. Con and then three, collaborate faithfully. Collaborate faithfully. To collaborate means to labor with, to co-labor. So we work together. Here at this church, we work together to grow the community of Christ one life at a time. To introduce people to a relationship with Christ and see them grow in it. Just like my father-in-law introduced his grandchildren to New Orleans, we introduce people to Christ. So real quickly, I want to ask everybody right now, break out your phone. Everybody take out your phone. I didn't bring it. Yes, you did. Bring it, break out your phone. Next week's back-to-school blessing is a great opportunity. You all did a phenomenal job, by the way, incredible job of inviting people to see Darren Woodson. Next weekend for back-to-school blessing, we've invited Candace Cameron Bure here so that our people would invite people. That's, that's why she's coming. I mean, I think Full House and Fuller House is great, but she's coming so that our friends will be coming, people that you know who don't yet know how extravagantly God loves them. There's a QR code right there. 
take your phone, scan the QR code, and use that image that comes up to invite somebody next weekend to come with you to grow the community of Christ one life at a time means all of us, all of us are in it to win it. We collaborate faithfully. Let us consider how we may spur one another to love and good deeds. And then number four, we congregate consistently. We gather consistently. I know there's a lot of discussion in our world about work from home, remote work, working in the office, and all that. Nothing. Everybody say nothing. nothing. Now say it like this. Nothing. Nothing. nothing replaces this. Nothing. Nothing replaces face-to-face. To, to be in the same room, to breathe the same air, to sing the same song, to receive the same teaching from God, to, to be connected by experience. Now, if you're sick, if something happens, if you're out of town and you have to, can only watch online, thank God we have that as a tool. But nothing replaces face-to-face and congregating consistently. The power of God pours out through his people united around his purposes. This is the community of faith united in Christ. United by Christ. Sacrifice, death, burial, and resurrection. Communion. Communion. Union with, united with. I want to ask you to bow your heads for just a moment. And in this moment, if you have never chosen to step over that line of faith, of trust in Christ, then we have the privilege as a church family today to extend that invitation to you. To invite you to respond to Christ. To respond to his invitation to follow him. It just requires a choice made in response to his grace initiative. To just Pray a prayer of commitment and and a prayer of surrender. Remembering, though, that when you surrender your life to Christ, you surrender to the only one who would never take advantage of your surrender, who will only use it for his glory and your good. If that's you, then we invite you to pray just right where you're sitting. Just something like this in your own words. Say, Jesus, I am need you. I need you. I confess my sin to you. I claim your forgiveness. And in response to your grace, I will follow you from this moment forward. 
Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. For just a moment, I will ask you if you will keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed. If that was your prayer, then this is the biggest moment of your life. This is the moment upon which God will build everything that follows. And so as a church, we want to help with the moments that follow. When we dismiss in just a moment, out in the lobby, there at the hub, we have a gift for you, just something as a a place to begin this journey with Christ, a new believer's packet, a kit. Just stop there and let them know that you need that. They'd love to hand that to you. But as we continue with our heads bowed for another moment, if that was your prayer, would you just raise your hand? If you prayed to receive Christ, just raise your hand and hold it up high over your head for a moment as a statement physically of the commitment spiritually that you just made and know that as a church, as a family of faith with you, we honor that and celebrate it with you. And our family tradition around here is you put your hands down as we're gonna put our hands together to tell you welcome home. Welcome home.